0: All right, Th- those that call committee really uh, gets put through the ringer in terms of looking at all these. And I mean, if you can imagine, these 22 or so guys, 36 pages each. They, they end up with a booklet like this of questions and answers and things. And to go through that, and Monty's just done a marvelous job of redacting things and making it so there could be really a little bit of an analytical process and not just an emotional process, and it's worked worked very well. I think we've come up with some good candidates and will again. Um, So let's start with prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ, who has torn down walls that keep people from coming to you, that keep them from receiving faith in him, and being saved by his blood. And we ask that you would continue to do so, yet we also ask that you would help us to diligently maintain the doctrine that teaches us that we are saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, and nothing we can do ourselves. For if it remained in us, in anything we could do, we could do nothing but fail. But through Christ, we can do nothing but fail. Have victory and win. And we give thanks for this in Jesus' name, amen. So um, why don't we start at Jeremiah 23, if you have a Bible, that was the Old Testament reading. i um, give you a minute, Jeremiah 23, verse 1. Jeremiah writes, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my, my people. Interesting that uh, that word woe, which I've talked about before, and one of my seminary professors was so Fond of saying, when you see woe, you basically should think, yeah, you're finished, you're done, go out and, try and play in traffic and have a good day. Um, it's just over for you. Um, and he's saying, woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Um, when Christ comes the first time incarnate and enters his ministry, these are... Uh, the, the priests and the leaders of the temple that should have been taking care of the Jewish people. But they aren't. They're caring for themselves and they are not hearing the cry of John the Baptist. They are uh, to, to repent and they are caught up in maintaining all the laws of Moses plus t- extra ones they've added in. And they're placing their righteousness and their goodness before God in that and not caring for the people, and not teaching the people God's Word. Um, And he says, uh, Therefore thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. They're not your people, they're God's people. And that's even true today for pastors. You're not my people, you're God's people, and God... Give shepherds to watch over those people, and it's a um, it, it's it's a task that uh, can cause a lot of strain. To be honestly, that, that you're doing it right and doing it well, um, and I think some guys that have been in it a long time know that much more so than I do. Um, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away. You have not attended them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord, and. You know, it's kind of, woe again. There are, then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be my, fruit, my fruitful, they shall be fruitful and multiply. Um, God was always scattering the people, and it was in punishment for their not being, um, Truthful to him, not fearing him, loving him, following his commands, uh, and their worship of idols. And so they were split, they were scattered, but he always kept a remnant together that trusted in him and that they would hear his voice. And he would call them back. And it would be through uh, the line of Judah that it would happen, which nobody saw coming. Um, so he does it in a way that's not expected. And and he brings forth new shepherds who will care for them. And so they will not fear or be dismayed. So you go from here um, to where it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Um, And that's the coming of Christ. The Lord is our righteousness, is Christ. And so that takes us to Ephesians, which was our epistle lesson. And Ephesians 2:11, where uh, Paul is writing. He says, "Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision." which is made in the flesh by the hands. And circumcision was an inferior work. It was done at God's hands to circumcise people. And Christ comes and he circumcises our hearts and takes out a heart that's stone and replaces it with a heart that can love God by remaking us in our baptism, by giving us a new birth in our baptism so that we can love God and not hate him, which we are all born blind, dead enemies of God, and we hate them. And this is what the people of, and I say of the world out there are, but um, there are people in the church. We don't know. The church is invisible. You know, we, we think we have a church, we have a building, we have all, everybody in here, but the church, the true church is invisible. And there are some people outside the church, for whatever reason, that have faith, and God knows who they are, and he wants them to be in a church, and it's bad when you have a church that um, through its teaching or through things just going on in it drive people away. Uh, that's, you're not shepherding the people when you do that. You want to draw them to the church where they can hear God's word and receive his sacraments. That's where really the church is one, is in hearing God's word hearing his teaching and receiving his sacraments that keep people in that body of Christ. Um, but they were, the Jews were relying on their circumcision, so they would say that, well, the Gentiles, you aren't circumcised, you aren't uh, doing it right, as you will. And there are those that demanded circumcision. Um, but even then, They just wanted a wall there to keep uh, the the faith to themselves. And so they were separated. They were strangers uh, before, having no hope and without God in the world. as like verse 12. But verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And this goes back to Jeremiah where he's talking about bringing his people back. The Jews had been scattered, they'd intermarried, um, and God's plan was to bring all people together in Christ. There would not be just this single chosen people, not two men, but one man in Christ, one body of believers together. <clears throat> so Far Off speaks to those in Far Off Lands, um, how else will you hear that? Um, my brain's gone. But, um, but he would do it, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So this hostility that was between the Gentiles and the Jews is just to go away. Um, the Jews aren't supposed to find their their justification in keeping the law and the Gentiles aren't supposed to see the law as, well, there's no way we can keep that because we're not Jews. Because Christ keeps the law fully for both and brings them both to the same place. This does not mean the commandments just go away. They're all still there. But as Christians, we don't see the commandments as things we keep. We see them as things we want to keep because God loves us. And so out of love for him, we study and know his commandments because we know that's his will for our lives and how we should live for the betterment of our lives in him. Um, and that for peace too. And verse 17 says, And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. This is Gentiles and Jews. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God. And there I read that and I thought, Oh, you picked the wrong hymns. Because there's that one hymn, uh, Church of God, Elect and Glorious. And it talks about once you were an alien people. That's us. And, and God has brought us all in to be His people. Um, so, built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Christ is the cornerstone is this justification by grace through faith. There's nothing else. If we want to have another cornerstone for our faith that says, well, it's because I did this or you did that, um, it falls apart. And you can see this with uh, Anabaptist churches where baptism becomes something they do at a certain point in time and it takes away from what God does in baptism. And ultimately, then then goes the Lord's Supper, where it just becomes a remembrance, and we do it. And some of these uh, churches, what do they call them? Not New Age, but uh, emergent churches, I guess. You know, everybody just kind of meets in a coffee house, or they might even meet in an old church. I read of one that met in an old church, and they converted it into kind of like a lounge, and... They had a stage where they would play music and, you know, the pastor would talk or just roam around. But, yeah, oh, we have communion. Yeah, it's right over there. Just, uh, yeah, go get you some. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not the way God intended and not reverencing the things and the gifts God gives. So God works through means. Um, so the structure is Christ and his justification that's given to us, imputed to us, for the forgiveness of our sins. And out of that flows our love for God that wants to keep His commands, that wants to be stones in this wonderful building of the church that He's building and add more people to it. But then, as I said in my sermon, you run into the devil. And when Christ tears down walls, the devil wants to put other ones up. And they stymie the people of God. They make us afraid. They make us, um, you name it. Um, you know, I gave example an example in a sermon of, uh, you know, let's uh, have AA meetings, you know, and lots of churches do that. But I don't know how many do Uh, outreach to opioid families. And uh, there is a whole mess of problems you could think of when you do that, when you think of the crime and everything that surrounds that community. But Christ cares for those people too. And he wants them to hear about him and about salvation and about forgiveness of sins. He wants to strengthen and feed them too. So, Put any, any ministry you want out there and the devil will try and stop it in some way with some, well, you just can't do that. You know, I mean, you, you don't have the money to do that. You don't have the people to do that. You don't, have, you don't have enough food for 5,000 people and that's what we saw in Mark. And Jesus says, no, we got this. You go feed them. And the, and the apostles just like, How? And it's really interesting because it does come off this period where they have been out there and they have been come back, you know, preaching. and Oh, we did this and we, we healed these people. And, and Jesus told them, you know, just don't worry about that. Be glad that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Don't worry about your success. It's my success. And so when the challenge comes, they can't even look back to their success and say, well, we did this. Because that, you know, would even get robbed from them in some way. That they just can't keep their eye on Christ, and that they brought people to Christ, and that Christ has them. So, let's see what else. Back to Mark. Other direction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's see. They come back, return to Jesus, and Jesus told them all they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. And it says, for many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves and then they saw him coming. I was reading where they, maybe they saw the sail on the boat and knew whose boat it was. They knew it to be Peter's boat or one of the other disciples who gave up fishing and was using it to transport around. So they saw the boat and knew it, or maybe they saw him get into the boat and then saw the boat as it went out and recognized it in that way. Um, But they followed him. And they they obviously knew what the uh, apostles had done and were still seeking more of it. But Christ did want them to have some rest. Um, but when it became not possible because of all the people Jesus didn't just send them away when that difficult moment came it says he had compassion on him and he taught him and that's what Christ came to do, to teach, to have mercy to do miracles and proclaim his kingdom so they would know who he was, and come to faith in him. Um, So it says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Um, And he taught them many things. But the the whole idea that the disciples just don't see what's going on. And I think that's kind of, sometimes where we are, we just don't see what's, going on, what God wants to do, and we see just problems, and uh, I hope we don't do that in our call process. I hope people understand that it's, uh, um, it is God's will and His way and that there is no set rubric of we, you know, well, we vote this way and we vote that way, and I mean, really the only thing it says is we, the, in our Constitution is that three candidates are brought forth, there you go. Not even any information. Three candidates. We could, by the Constitution, we could bring three names forward. That's it. And we'd sit there and go, uh, I did this a couple weeks ago. I went to the English District Convention. And they had sent a workbook with all these resolutions and everything in it. And I think Larry Irving printed a copy and looked at it. And uh, I did not have time. And I got there's all these resolutions, and I'm like, oh, okay, I've been reading over this, and they're talking about it real quick, and I'm like, okay, yes, no, and I'm like, okay, you know, and you push the button. And you're like, how much do I really have to go on here? And it really came down to the body of people there, 200 some odd people voting, and God leading it. And that's really what our, our call process is as well. We come together as a congregation. We may not know at all, but we trust and believe God's in the process. And he will lead that vote to bring the right person to us that he wants. So, we want to have fear. And we shouldn't. Because God is in control and Christ is in control of his church. Um, so he fed them. He'll feed us. They, uh, what else Mm -hmm. and the very end of that which I didn't touch on before verse 32 they divided the fish among them all and I mean you just got to see that you know I mean Jesus sitting there and he takes the fish and and these were small fish they were likely dried sardine type things small a lot of salt, very savory with, with bread. and uh, But, the, you know, it wasn't enough to feed the 12. And he's breaking it, and it just keeps going and going and going and going and going. It's, it just keeps going. And it says, and they all ate and were satisfied. They sat there and went, <clears throat> yeah. Boing! Yeah, that was good, you know. Filled the belly, and their and their, uh, their suspenders popped off, and... Uh, That was almost perfect timing. Um, But then they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of bread and of the fish. 12, just like the number of the disciples. Just as if to tell them, look guys, you each have a basket full. Have you ever seen like maybe one of these fishing baskets that hangs down here and you put your stuff They each had a basket just full of stuff. And he was going to supply it for them. So it it was... assigned to them as well. You know, hey, I fed all them, but look, there's enough left. You don't have to worry because you're going to be fed as, as well too. Um, so they, they had to find comfort in that and I um, noticed who ate the loaves were about 5,000 men. So, I don't know. Questions, Thoughts? Open. Yes, Chuck. Well, I I think, uh, you know, they they worry about having enough food to feed everyone. We're kind of worried what's going to happen to our congregation. But uh, God will provide for us, and it's the beginning of uh, a second phase of the church's life Mm -hmm. that people can get kind of excited about. So I wonder where God's going to take us, and it'll take a little while for it to play out. Yeah. So yeah, it is. Um, to, you know, I, in nursing, in a hospital setting, I always had the mantra. We needed mantras. Change is good. Change is our friend. <laughs> you sort of a self convincing. Change is good. Change is our friend. Today you're going to chart this a new way. You got this new charting program. You do it this way. Oh, by the way, still do it the old way because these two doctors over here don't know how to use a computer. Change is good. Change is our friend, and uh, but you know, I mean, with God, it's true. You know, it, it is. He's mixing things up a little bit. I, it's it's hard for a congregation to sit and just be kind of happy, and and sometimes things need to be stirred a little bit, and things change, and good will come out of it. Um, God would have nothing else happen, but. Uh, good comes out of our deaths God would have nothing else happen we go to heaven eternally so there might be some pain we might see you know our offerings go down a little bit I don't know that's what they say happens when Pastor Feeney's not here I hope not but um, we trust God to provide and we trust God to provide a uh, new senior pastor and to see us through the interim and that's my prayer and hope I hope it's yours as well Um, but God will feed, and he will take care of us. So, anything else? Nope. We'll pray this week because um, I'm trying to gather together our, what were our high school seniors last year? They're headed off to college. How many did I count? we got about 25 kids going off to school total. There's probably... 10 or so of them that are freshmen. And so this uh, Saturday, we're going to have them over here for dinner with their parents and talk about college life a little bit and some of the pressures they'll face and some of the temptations they'll face and how they might avert some of those. Um, And we're also going to give them a name of a church to go to in case they just don't happen to have one picked out yet. And last Christmas... um, I got together a few people, and we made up some packages, care packages, and sent to the college kids, and I heard very positive things, and they liked them, but I'm also calculating an evil and sort of uh, conniving, and I told them, this year, you might have to go to a certain Lutheran church in your area to pick up that package. You might get a postcard that says, go see pastor hmm, over at Grace Lutheran Church in in, the Muncie. And he's got a box there for you. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, I I like the idea. I don't know. What do you think? Kind of seeing heads going, "Mm, yeah, good. And so um, we'll see how that goes. But uh, pray for those kids as they go away. And as we meet with them Saturday to uh, help them and plant them in a congregation. As I I said, let's just keep them Lutheran. That's a big deal. So, uh, with that, we'll close with prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, thank you for the grace, mercy, and peace you extend to us through Christ Jesus, your Son. Help us never to forget and to always give thanks for the blessings you give. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.